You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Peasley. What I said just now was a lie. Um, we're actually having another guest in place of Lewin this week, and it is a frog who's been smoking a pack a day for the past 30 years. She's been made sentient. <laughs> yes. I'm kidding. It's me. I'm back. I mean, aren't frogs already sentient? It depends on your definition, but yes, fuck. I mean, yeah, in my definition, they are. Yes, they are. I was thinking... Um, Learned how to speak English. Well, I was specifically thinking capable of, like, like higher levels of thought, but... Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But, Fair yeah, I am, I am back. <laughs> <laughs> she is. I sound rough. Last week, you got... Um, like, we were missing Lewin's beautiful voice, but we got Jacoby's golden radio voice. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> and also thank you, Jacoby. And also thank you, Jacoby. That's um, this week, we are still missing Loon's beautiful voice because it's only barely back. And it, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's rough. Um, I'm sorry, I think. <laughs> I'm also sorry if you uh, hear some, some cough drop ruffle, rustling sounds or, you know the some some tea sipping sounds because that's just where i'm at right now but i like i sound rough but like i feel okay yeah like she's her usual lively self she just Mm, i'm not usually lively but like sounds a little bit like she that was about to be a bad joke i was gonna say she sounds a little bit like she got kicked in the throat by a horse (laughs) that didn't happen it felt like it for a few days though i bet but uh yeah so i'm back I feel, like, I feel fine, honestly. Like, I, I'm probably about 90% right now, but my my throat just got up and gave me a middle finger today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. Yeah. That's the that's really the last thing that leaves you is kind of the... Oh, yeah. The cough and the rough... The residual, like, throat... Nastiness. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> to those yeah. of you who offered to send us zinc and... Zinc and echinacea, thank you. We're doing our best. Yeah. We're taking all our vitamins. The show must go on. Yeah. Yes, and because of the fact that almost a year in, we still have never missed an episode, we're still going. Yeah. We're <laughs> still going. We're <laughs> still dedicated, going. damn it. Still going strong, even when we sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We started our podcast getting over... Getting over an illness, mm-hmm. we're just going to keep you're going. Right. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. You know, and I also feel like we've been saying, like, this for the past, like, two months. Like, every episode, we're like, somebody doesn't feel well. You know? Somebody sounds like shit. It's literally winter. cold and flu season, so. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's the winter, man. Yeah, fuck winter. But. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, I'm <laughs> I back. don't have a smooth transition, but I wanted one. Uh, yeah. No, I was trying to think of one, um, and there isn't one. 
Uh, so wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh, Travis has got something. Getting sick is always a catastrophe. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> oh God. I tried. Okay. Uh, you got to give me credit for trying. So I don't know if you guys remember the last time I did an episode. It was a little while ago. Um, but I said. I was going to be doing one more episode about dragons, and then I was going to do something else. I may have actually said that I was just going to do dragons for the rest of the year. You, you did imply as such. But you, you did. For real, uh, I'm doing one more episode about dragons, and then I'm going to go and figure out something else. Elves part two. What? 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 What's an elf? Um, so this is kind of part of... Uh, this is a long-winded... Part of a suggestion by uh, Ari Foxkit on Twitter to thank cover. You, thank you, Ari, to cover some of the uh, dragons that I mentioned a while ago in my Dracolich episode mm. um, that were prominently featured in the fourth edition uh, Draconomicon uh, books. So the last of those that we are going to talk about today are catastrophe dragons. Ooh. Catastrophic dragons, actually, is what they're called. But for some reason, I read it initially as catastrophe dragons, and that's just kind of how it coalesced. It sits in my mind, even though it's technically catastrophic dragons. I mean, you know what? It, it all works. I feel like a lot of people do that anyway. Just in general, mm-hmm. catastrophic catastrophe. Yeah, it's fine. It's all the same. It works. the The implication is the same, and probably whatever visual you have is probably correct. Well. well. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to start off talking about uh, catastrophic dragons um, by reminding everybody uh, of the more or less accepted origin story of dragons in 4th edition. Um, yeah, I will actually need a refresher on that one. Okay, so as a 4th edition, there's sort of different myths and right, different right. schools of thought, but it's mostly accepted that Io created dragons in his own image to populate the world and dragons are like physical creatures that exist physically in the prime right but have like internal links to the elemental chaos right yeah yeah that's why they're elemental, elemental. creatures right so that's more or less the accepted origin like, of dragons summarized we have a whole fucking episode on it but summarized yeah that's dragons summarized as a fourth edition um, so then, you know, you have your different types of dragons. You have chromatic dragons, metallic dragons, and catastrophic dragons. So we're going to talk about catastrophic dragons, obviously. Yes. Okay. Yes. Catastrophic dragons. All right. We are caught up. Yes. <laughs> Quick refresh. Done. Let's go. Boom. So accounts vary regarding the precise origin of catastrophic dragons. Um, the most popular is in keeping with the idea that after Io's death... Uh, some dragons, I mean, obviously some dragons then allied themselves with Tiamat or Bahamut, and also the accounts of how Tiamat and Bahamut came to right. be also vary, because this is Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, and um, it reflects, like, how real-world mythos works. Yeah, too. exactly. Some some people say this, some people say this. But after Isle's death, um, instead of allying themselves with Tiamat or Bahamut, some dragons embrace their internal link to the energy of the elemental chaos. This allowed them to physically manifest their powers as an aura. Okay. As opposed to like a breath weapon. Hell yeah. 
So per Dragon Magazine issue number 424, which was published in 2013, uh, in the article Bestiary, Catastrophic Dragons, Part 1, <laughs> which was written by Bruce Cordell and Ari Marmel. Uh, ooh, Ari Marmel, Ari Foxkit. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. We figured out your secret, Ari. We know who you are. <laughs> We're on to you. We're on to you. Um, so, per this article, some dragons refuse to follow Tiamat or Bahamut, as I just mentioned, and instead turn to the primordials. Okay. Uh, yeah, the primordials who killed their dad. Yeah, like... Uh, like... <laughs> Well, See, my brain, the ultimate act of rebellion. My brain didn't even go there, though. My brain went with primordials are bad enough. Dragons are bad. Why would you dragons put the two together? Dragons are great. How about dragons are dangerous? Dragons are very See, dangerous. See, I mean bad in the sense of, like, bad for anyone that gets attacked by them. That's true. Um, but, I mean, well, some of these origins of different types of catastrophic dragons, you'll come to see that it's a little more complicated than just... Bad dragons? <sighs> <laughs> bad dragons are the simplest the simplest most most pure thing uh mm, not pure anyway <laughs> anyway we're not going to talk about that right now um but it's not as clean cut as just primordials versus io versus dragons versus gods whatever whatever right so the primordials that they turned to conducted various quote-unquote experiments Always um, a good... Always a good thing. Yeah. Good word. Um, and those dragons that survived exposure to extreme conditions emerged from those experiences as catastrophic dragons. Okay. I'm not going to harp on this too much, but recall that that feels kind of similar to the origins of some planar dragons. Yeah. Sips my tea. Yeah. And some of them maybe could have been put together... Maybe the delineation should have been a little stronger. Sips my tea. We don't. Ha we don't have time to sit here and harp on that, though. <laughs> Continues to sip tea. I did actually just take a drink of my tea just then. So these catastrophic dragons largely served the primordials who gave them their powers in the Dawn War. There are some exceptions, uh, and some of them have complicated feelings about it. And upon the defeat of the primordials, the catastrophic dragons scattered. Okay. Um, they're largely considered abominations oh. by other types of dragons, like chromatic and metallic dragons. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, another possible origin of catastrophic dragons is explored in Draconomicon Metallic Dragons, which was published before this article in 2009. Um, and that is that Io created the dragons that would later become different types of dragons, depending on his mood. So, like, um, when he was feeling greedy or avaricious, he created those dragons that would become chromatic dragons that would eventually allow themselves a Tiamat. Right. Um, when he was feeling destructive, he created those dragons that would eventually become catastrophic dragons. And, of course, when he was feeling any kind of virtuous emotion, he created those dragons that would become metallic. Right, of course. I so feel, I feel like he needs to get his emotions in check, first of all. Hey, I mean... Second of all, maybe not just start creating stuff when you get in certain mo hey, moods. Hey, that's how I deal. That's how art... Okay, that's how art. creating living things. How about that? That's how art. That's how babies. Oh, that's you know babies. what? That's how babies. That's how babies. Some people end up creating a living thing when they're in a certain mood, you know? Hmm. That's how babies... Hmm... You're right. <laughs> Don't reflect on that one too much. 
Um, so obviously this theory is very popular with metallic dragons and less popular with other types oh, of dragons. Oh, I don't, I have no clue why. Um, and also, since this was published before the dragon article, it doesn't, like, the dragon article doesn't say that this isn't true, but you could consider that this is kind of decanonized by that article. But I think they can still, like, work in harmony. Because it wasn't as though, like, Io was in a bad mood, so he just, like, made a dragon that's also fire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they became catastrophic dragons through a process that happened to them later, so. Not, like, strictly because he created them at that point. It was just, over time... Yeah, then they, something something happened, <clears throat> and then they became what they presently are. Right. Right. So I think these two theories can kind of work together, but I just think it's funny that this is the one that a lot of metallic dragons subscribe to, because it makes them sound good. It does of course. make them sound good. It makes them sound so much better. I mean, not that they need that much help. No. Um, I fucking love dragons. <laughs> um, so, given that they are... They are so heavily influenced by the energy of the elemental chaos. Right. They are physiologically a little different. They resemble other dragons in a lot of senses. Um, They generally have the same, like, form. Like, the body shape. They have wings. They have tails. You know, they look like dragons. Right. Um, But they are literally composed of elemental matter and not flesh. So... Therefore, depending on their type or, you know, their emotional state, whatever's happening to them, they might look completely different from one another or from other types of, like, dragons. Okay. Then an example given was that an enraged catastrophic dragon that is made of fire may appear to just be a giant column of flame one minute. Damn. And then eventually they revert back to, you know, looking like a dragon that's made out of fire. Jesus. Like you put fire in that shape. I like it. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. The the kind of amorphous... I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, that. that's that's my thing, yo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they do not have... Well, they do not truly have internal organs, um, but they have vestigial structures that resemble the insides of, like, a normal dragon. So they don't... <laughs> they don't have, like, a functioning, you know stomach or whatever but a lot of them have something in there that looks like a stomach okay so they do not require food as drake liches don't but they 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 um give themselves energy by feeding on the energy of their surroundings so i would imagine like weather and stuff right but some do so consume enemies as a draconic instinct kind of like some drake liches do um they also do not sleep but instead, sometimes enter a period of rest, which is called quiescence. Um, and however long they spend in quiescence depends largely on what type of catastrophe they are. Okay. So, like, you know, like avalanches and blizzards and, you know, things that... Another, well, not other, because avalanches don't. But things that have to do with the weather, you know, usually move in, like, a cycle. Whereas something like yeah. an earthquake can sleep for a lot longer. Oh, yeah, that, that would make sense. Before becoming active. Okay. Or maybe, like, a wildfire is, like, mm-hmm. very short. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Random. So that depends largely on what kind of dragon they are, and sometimes on how much treasure or sacrifices they're given by local populations oh, who don't boy. want their town destroyed. Uh, mm. Ooh, you gave me five more gold. I think I'm going to sleep a little bit longer. Um, granted, the treasure aspect doesn't actually make that much sense to me. Because catastrophic dragons are not motivated by the acquisition of 
things. They okay. They're... So they don't have that shared instinct or largely no need of like collecting and hoarding everything. See, I don't know how I feel about that because part of me is like that's what makes a dragon a dragon. Largely not. They're mostly motivated by destruction. <laughs> Fair. Um, and less so greed. But I think like and this isn't wasn't this isn't strictly ever said in text about dragons, but I feel like dragons, especially in Dungeons and Dragons, no matter what kind they are, metallic, chromatic, catastrophic, they love the drama. <laughs> they do. They You're do. right. The dragons are drama queens. They are straight up drama queens. Yeah, like metallic dragons have like a whole a whole mythos that supports them being like intrinsically so noble and cool. And, you know, chromatic dragons, like, look at Tiamat. Tiamat is the original drama queen. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, them accepting, like, tribute and sacrifices might even be, you know... like Directly that. linked to how much drama they love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the, the production of it, if you will. Because I guess at that point, if they're accepting sacrifices or something from this town or village, it is... Still, like, causing drama to the village because they're mm-hmm. like, we have to gather this stuff that we need, but we don't want to die, so... Yeah. Also, I think it's fun because, like, how much of a cultural staple is it to, like, sacrifice people to prevent natural disasters? Like, the whole throwing a virgin in a volcano Oh, thing. yeah. I was actually kind of just thinking about that. Like, yeah. human sacrifice, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Goat sacrifice. And all that. Yeah. You know, hmm. like, how, how much of that is, like, a cultural staple in so many different cultures? Uh, there there was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of human sacrifice, guys. There has been. <laughs> oh. Um, so, in addition to more things that they don't really have. Right. Um, they have secondary sex characteristics, but they don't have any meaningful, like, physical sexual dimorphism. And therefore, they do not reproduce traditionally. Huh. So they don't fuck, I guess. So basically, their secondary sex characteristics... Their sex characteristics are literally just for show. Yeah, they're completely vestigial. So like, you know... Mm. I just want to say... Mm -hmm. Sorry. Last time we had a subject that didn't reproduce normally. Oh. It was not pretty. Oh, Well, I will say... This isn't nasty. Yeah, okay. this isn't nasty. Okay. It's a little... That I know of. Oh, no, it's not. That's why I'm not immediately getting angry. <laughs> no, it's not nasty. So, per Dragon Magazine issue 425, which was published in 2013, yes, these two were published back-to-back, which is choice. Um, in the article, Bestiary Catastrophic Dragons Part 2, mm-hmm. which was written by Robert J. Schwalb and Jennifer Clark Wilkes... Uh, catastrophic dragons reproduce by, quote, imprinting onto the elemental energies of their environment. Unfortunately, per fourth edition, um, the specifics of this process aren't explained. Of course not. At all, really. Um, this is D&D. You either get graphic, horrific explanation, or none at all. Purely beholders. Yeah. Um, so, like, come to think of it, it could be nasty. We don't know. Pretend like it's not. It's entirely spiritual and beautiful. Yeah, or they might just like lay down in a cave and just like meditate for a while and boom, baby. Yeah, you have some eggs. Um, 
Boom, baby. Boom, baby. <laughs> it's like it's like bears. You just like wake up and there's a baby there. And you're like, fuck, now I gotta take care of this. I mean, I guess bears have to fuck first, but... Yeah. <laughs> I guess bears have to fuck. I guess. I guess. No one really knows how bears reproduce. That's a lie we do. Shh. How do, how do ursinols reproduce, Taylor? No. Um, well, I don't know because they're celestial. <laughs> they don't... I mean, that doesn't... Never mind. Never well, mind. I mean, they, they do have ways to replenish their numbers. Right. I thought that they did the whole, like, promoting thing, though. No. They're all the same rank. Remember? Oh, shit. That's, that's the whole point. Yeah. Right. Sorry. That was the... That was the... Yeah. The other yeah, ones. The other ones. So, <laughs> so anyway. Um, so, you know, the type of egg produced from this imprinting process depends on the environment... And also, like, the, the... The type. The type, obviously. And they can take on a variety of appearances depending on this. So, for example, the egg of a wildfire dragon might look like an oblong, smoldering coal. Ooh. And that of a typhoon dragon might be, like, a swirling mass of solid cloud stuff. Ooh. Which is so dope. And I, I just pictured, like, um... Oh, what are they? Barnacles on an egg. Mm-hmm. Also, like my my other people out there, I know you're there. You can add me, but the the flight rising eggs, yeah, how like each flight, oh yeah, their eggs look so different, yeah, yeah, it's like that. Add me, looks <laughs> are two L's, like her name. <laughs> add me and send me, send me things. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But please add me. Um, <laughs> you don't need to send me things though. Um, also, not just from. Uh, dragon imprinting on their environment they can also arise spontaneously as a result of natural disasters okay i mean that that sounds like how a lot of spirits like like it it fits mythos yeah i guess so like you know an an earthquake might like reveal you know a wall that has now has like earthquake dragon eggs in it kind of thing that's pretty fucking cool in it kind of horrifying in a sense but would be cool to be like whoa there are eggs in this wall yeah it's fine so, like, that sounds pretty cool, right? That sounds yeah. like something that, as an adventurer, you know, you might like to happen upon, you know, what well. looks like a cluster of geodes, you know, in a in a cave. Doesn't that sound like a cool kind of treasure that you would want to take? I mean, now, this is a trap. Mm, no, no, it sounds cool, right? Like, think about it, like a massive cloud stuff. Wouldn't you want to pick that up and feel how it feels? Yes. Uh, Actually, I would. Yeah, and doesn't that sound great? They explode. What? You explode. Oh, my God. Like, why, though? But why? But why? So, um, they... Okay, because the idea is that they have the same elemental power in them, right? Right. But they don't have an intelligent conduit to control it. So if mishandled, they'll they'll explode. Okay. Um, detonate was the specific word, which oh I think boy. Is, is fun. It's a choice word for sure. They will detonate, detonate on impact. Oof. So this produces an explosion of magical energy that produces a variety of f- effects, obviously based on what kind of dragon it is. Notch. But a knowledgeable person with the enchant magic item ritual can enchant a drag a catastrophic dragon egg to be used as a bomb. Oh, what the hell? So, uh, a, an intelligent person who knows about this kind of stuff can essentially render it inert 
until they like throw it. <laughs> oh my god. Which is hilarious. Hey, hey. hey. What? Elminster. Oh, oh my god. Oh, Elminster probably played basketball with these things. <laughs> He would absolutely do that. Just don't dunk with it. <laughs> Get dunked on. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, man. Elminster episode Elminster one. versus Bane. Uh, soon. Oh, man. I hope. Um, here's another thing that per fourth edition was not really explained very well. Um, they have similar age categories to true dragons, but they don't age in the way mortal creatures do. I didn't figure, but the, the, the age categories thing kind of threw me off. Go, go ahead. So this was, this was stated, was not explained, and it's, it's obvious that it, it is such because there's different levels provided for them. Like you have like level three encounters for like babies all the way up to like encounters in the 20s for like great, great worms. Right. But it's not really explained... Which I feel like was a little bit of a missed opportunity to maybe... Fourth edition? Missed opportunity? What? Never. Well, most dragons have, like, the different encounter levels. Right. Yeah, but, you know, those are based on their age, which makes sense because regular dragons are mortal creatures that age, but these aren't really. But it's not... Basically, it's not explained where the difference is, it's just like, there's a difference. We're just not going to tell you exactly what it is. There's a difference. It's up to you to figure it out. Or maybe it was just like, if you're going to use this in your campaign... Here are the different options. Like, you can use this, but you have to plan out how you want it to work in your campaign. Yeah, or maybe just like options. It's like, maybe you really don't want to throw this like level 22 elite solo controller or whatever (laughs) at your party. Um, I don't know. My only thought in kayfabe would be like, it would be, yes, they don't like they don't age like dragons, but like they do gather experience. That might be Or like gather energy or something. Yeah. But basically, they they highlight that this difference exists, but then they don't explain exactly how it works with some of them occupying different age categories. But whatever. The the key is that you don't, don't, like, have a baby that then is going to die in, like, 1,500 years exactly. It's more complicated than that. Okay. But how well explained is it? Not very. But that's par for the course in 4th edition. So, whatever. (laughs) Huh. No one's salty. No one's salty. Not not here. Listen. It's fine. Things happened. Things happened, and we don't we don't have time to sit here and harp on these problems of fourth edition for the fifteenth time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. Yeah. Um so the process of turning into these elemental fucking monstrosities uh left catastrophic dragons damaged psychologically can you believe what yeah Hmm. um and particularly the ways that we're going to talk about some of these dragons were specifically turned into types of catastrophic dragons is very traumatic (laughs) so like i'm i mean i'm not that surprised honestly like i'm gonna i'm gonna say it now as like a blanket statement but like some of these are really fucked up so they were described as retreating into their own minds and losing touch with reality um, which just sounds like a weekend for me, but whatever. Um, and we're going to 
also talk um, a little more in depth right now about why other dragons don't like them. Okay. Um, so it, it said in, I think, this is from the Monster Manual, I believe, but it says in other sources that they're considered abominations, but this doesn't 100% vibe with that, I feel like. Um, so metallic dragons regard them kind of in the same way that they regard the actual natural disasters okay. that they're from. Like, they see them as a... It was described as them seeing, seeing catastrophic dragons as a necessary evil in the cycle of life in the world. Okay, yeah. Which, to me, does not read the same as seeing them as abominations. No. No. They're... There's a difference between an abomination and a necessary... Part of life. Well, I don't know. I think wasps are abominations, but I recognize their place... I refuse. ...in the cycle of life. So maybe that's how it is. Maybe metallic dragons see catastrophic dragons the way I see wasps. Metallic dragons are assholes, though. (laughs) So are wasps. So are wasps. Wasps, and so are humans, and so are catastrophic dragons. Everyone's an asshole. Fair, Um, Fair enough. And this is, I think this is chef's kiss. Um, Chromatic dragons feel uneasiness at catastrophic dragons' love of destruction for destruction's sake. And this basically kind of dived into, dove, dove, into the fact, dived, dived, into the fact that while chromatic dragons are shitheads, they're usually principled in that they operate based primarily on greed or personal ambition. Mm -hmm. So their love of destruction usually comes second to that. So, like, when they go and destroy something, it's for a purpose. It's to acquire something or to push their own ambitions of, like, conquering something. But catastrophic dragons just... Destroy. Just destroy shit to destroy shit. And chromatic dragons find that, like... Reprehensible. Not even reprehensible. It makes them uncomfortable. Thinking about how cruel and uncalculated life is. Mm -hmm. Because they're just destroying things for no reason other than to... Yeah, but chromatic dragons are so up their own asses. And not to mention lawful. But I think... (laughs) How dare they be lawful? Well, they're not, not, though. Chromatic dragons are usually chaotic. I I got confused with metallic for a moment. I I heard heard you say chromatic, but in my brain, I was like, metallic. Yeah, it's fine. But, yeah, no, I think that's, like, pretty chef's kiss that it was just, like, it... it, (laughs) There's something that's more unrepentant than a chromatic dragon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a catastrophic dragon. However, despite... The fact that a lot of other dragons don't like them. Uh, Many catastrophic dragons regularly ally with one another. And also sometimes other species. We'll talk about that when we talk about specific types of catastrophic dragons. Right. Um, And there wasn't a lot stated as to when these particular... Like when these structures come to be or why. But they can even form entire clans. Oh. Okay. And I took this from a description in Dragonomicon Chromatic Dragons, I think, of a clan of blizzard dragons that destroyed the brown dragon nation of Maruket. So even though they didn't talk about catastrophic dragon clans, that line tells me that they exist. Yeah. Okay. So at, at least somewhere. Sometimes. Sometimes they they're will gather largely. In that sort of way. Hmm. Uh, Also, with two exceptions, 
All varieties of catastrophic dragons are unaligned. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, Two especially con- considering 4th yes. edition's overhaul of the alignment system. Yep. Oh, boy. Which, oh boy. I mean... We've talked about it at length. <laughs> I will say, that one makes sense. Because they're just wantonly destructive. Yeah, like, they're... It, if this were, well, 5th edition, I'd say they were true neutral. Because, I it, mean... It they, makes sense in the same way that it makes sense to me that the Tarask is unaligned. And right. was also created by the Primordials. Hmm. The Primordials need to chill. Yeah, the Primordials <laughs> need to stop doing stuff. I mean, like, it's... I mean, it makes sense to me. An unaligned creature would basically just operate on pure primal instinct. Yeah. So, we're uh, gonna... Well, not first, but we're going to uh, talk about those two exceptions, as well as every other specific kind of catastrophic dragon... After we take a break. Damn it, I knew it was coming. Your bitch needs more tea. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully you're enjoying the catastrophic dragons that we have for you. Um, It's just me for the ad break this time. So just uh, hang tight. I'll try to get through this as quick as possible. And we will get right back to learning all about these fantastical dragons. So if you are enjoying the podcast... um, please consider contributing to our Patreon at Dungeonpedia. That just helps us kind of, you know, it just, you know, it helps us pay for the hosting website and everything else. Maybe eventually a equipment upgrade would be nice for us to get you guys some better quality. But if you can and you would like to, it's just Dungeonpedia. You can contribute. If not, that's not a problem at all. We completely understand. If you are interested, we do have our other actual play podcasts that we've had going on for a while now called Projectile Dysfunction. There are updates on our Twitter page for that, which is at ProjectileCast. Go there. You can get all the other information that you need and uh, follow us there. That would be great. As for us here, you can follow us on our Twitter and our Instagram at Dungeonpedia. If you have any uh, comments or suggestions for episodes, you can send us an email at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com or you can also send us a private message on Twitter or Instagram or you can tweet at us, you know, just however you wish to do it. If you have a more long-form thing, send us an email. That would be great. But we will look at any and all notifications we get, so don't be shy. Send it in. Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to get notifications of our new episodes when we post them. That way you're not having to wait for us to post on social media. And while you're there, if it allows you to, you can rate us and leave a review. That helps us greatly to get a bit more noticed and everything through all the other various awesome podcasts that are out there. But the thing that helps us the most is just word of mouth. You know, spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors... Anyone interested in Dungeons & Dragons, you think that they might be interested in the lore behind it, then, you know, just throw our name casually out there in a conversation, and uh, maybe, who knows, you'll grab us a few more listeners. That has helped us greatly so far, so continue to do that. We thank you and appreciate it so much. We also appreciate Alexander Nakarada for our theme song, Blacksmith. Um, fantastic song intro and outro to the podcast you can hear it it's great if you want to find any more of his stuff i'm sure you can find him it's really good you should uh, go check it out and thank you for having that up 
on the uh, free-to-use stuff, and it's been great for us so far. But other than that, that's it for me. I'm done here. We can go back to our catastrophic dragons and see what else Lewin can uh, teach us about these weird and fantastical and slightly, you know, dangerous dragons. All right, so let's learn more about the specifics of these uh, yes. categories, yes. species, whatever, whatever types. What, whatever. You know, whatever. whatever. I don't think I don't think fourth edition even knows. Um, so first, we're going to talk about the types that were introduced in Monster Manual three, um, which was released in two thousand nine. Sure. I didn't actually two thousand and eight. It, no, it was before the Draconomicons. I'm sorry, I actually don't have the date that this one was released handy. It's okay. Um, does anyone even care? I don't know. These were introduced first. Um, so we're going to start with the Blizzard Dragon. Ooh. Um, we're cracking open a cold one. No, we're not cracking it open. Uh, so Blizzard Dragons were created by Umboras. There's a lot of good primordial names in this, too. Um, who is a primordial that was allied with the former goddess of winter, Kala. Hmm. Kala. So, it, like I said, it wasn't always just a strict... Right. Primordials versus gods, whatever. Um, even though his alliance with her was pretty begrudging. Like, they still, like, worked on shit together. Yeah, they associated with each other. Kind of like we do. <laughs> we're just associates. <laughs> we're just associates. I'm kidding. We're not. Um, so when the Raven Queen usurped Woo! her, uh, taking over her domain over winter, which we talked about a little bit in the Raven Queen episode that we thought was weird. But here's when she did that, I guess. Yeah. I still find it a little weird that, like, you know, domain I mean, of winter, but... It makes sense to me. It, it it does, but it doesn't. Well, like, the, the vibe made sense to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. death is, like, the winter of life, right? Right. Anyway, um, so the Raven Queen usurped her, and Umboris was kind of mad about this. Because mm, um, he lost his associate. So he convinced those dragons that were in, a, in an emotional state uh, <laughs> after Io's death, uh, he convinced those with cruel, cold hearts to help him. So he took them to the frigid corners of the elemental chaos. And a year and a day later, they emerged covered in hoarfrost and transformed to march on the Raven Queen and Pandemonium. Beautiful. Yeah. Nice. So, which also, interestingly, the process that created Blizzard Dragons took a year and a day. And the process that makes the uh, the uh, Ice Rod Drake Lich took, or not the, uh, yeah, the Ice Rod Drake Lich took a year hmm. at the heart of the Absolute Winter. So, I don't know what's up with that. A year is just a good round number. A year is just a good round number to spend in a cold place. Um, no. No. <laughs> never. Never. <clears throat> uh -uh. So, anyway, the Raven Queen tricked Umboris by pretending to flee and he was separated from his forces in Pandemonium and eventually imprisoned there with a handful of high-ranking blizzard dragons. But the rest of them escaped and scattered. Um, some remained in Pandemonium, um, some returned to the Elemental Chaos, and some went off far to frozen wastelands and even into the winter courts of the Fae. Ooh. Yeah. Isn't that scary? Yes. Like an unseely, an unseely Fae queen with a... Dra the Blizzard Dragon cohort. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they need any more help, but hey, you know what? They got it. They got it. 
So Blizzard Dragons have a freezing aura that pushes away enemies with a winter wind, and they are, like, intelligent, calculating fighters who use their environment to their advantage, usually by way of triggering avalanches. (laughs) You don't say. Which is, you know... Horrifying. And also avalanches are another type of dragon. Spoiler alert. Interesting. Um, They are a subset that don't, like, they don't hesitate to work together with each other. Uh, Other catastrophic dragons and also other ice elemental beings. It was, it was described as kind of their, their standards are other people who are as cruel as they are. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. They're, and their whole steez post- pandemonium situation is to free primordials that have been imprisoned. Okay. Um, and they also have a particular hatred for the Raven Queen and her agents. What? <laughs> because of that whole the whole thing. They're a little bitter. <laughs> Look, they just need to learn to let things go. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> damn I it. mean, that goes along with a l- Oh, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Boo! Damn yeah. it. Damn it, Travis. Uh, do you guys want me to cover Let It Go right now, sounding like this? No. Okay. I don't think you want you to cover Let It Go right now, sounding like this. No. Um. Normally, I can't even get up to, like, Adina Menzel's vocal range, but especially not right now. So, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to let this go and move on. Um. Good. Next, we have Earthquake Dragons. Um, okay. Yeah. Earthquake, this is this one's fucked up. Earthquake dragons were created when some dragons sought protection from Ericus, who was the one that killed Io. Right. Um, and they sought protection from him from, so they wanted to be protected against Ericus. I realize my wording was not very good. Um, so they, they sought this protection from the primordial groaning king, Balkoth. Hmm. Groaning the king? Groaning, groaning king. king. I don't uh, know. I think that's kind of dope. It, it sounds cool. I'm kind of curious just... as to why he got that nickname. Um, yeah. Like. I mean, I have some ideas. Is it just like he's old? Every time he stands up, he just groans. <laughs> that's me. You don't have to be old to. Same. To be that way. Um, I have an idea why, though. He fulfilled this promise to these dragons by eating them. Oh, no. Which probably makes your stomach make some weird groaning sounds. Um, Probably. And within his molten stomach, they were shaped into earthquake dragons. Oh, my. What the shit? Yeah, a little bit of a Cronus. Yeah. Yeah. I would say eating his children situation. These weren't his children, obviously, but... But it it still evokes those vibes. Yeah, because, I mean, and I feel like... Everyone knows this, and I'm, like, by saying this, it's like, duh. But, like, the primordials are very much just, like, the Greek titans. titans yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just the titans. But how did they get out of his stomach? Mm, we'll get to that. Oh. Uh, oh. He threw some of them back up so they could be his servants. Right. Okay, um yeah. And some of them later escaped when he was killed. Ah, uh, In yeah. a war against the gods. I say a war, the war. I'm just like picturing him getting hmm, cut open, and all that of these dragons just sound <laughs> incredibly familiar. Zeus, yeah, Chronos. <laughs> so some, some person just like cut this guy open, and all these dragons came out, and they were like, "Whoa, what, what the, the fuck?" fuck? 
And then everyone else is like, God damn it. It's like all those gifts of like when someone like hits a spider. Oh no. And the baby spiders just go oh, everywhere. Oh yeah, they just. Like that one with the, they hit it with the broom and the baby spiders just go everywhere. Except it's a big guy and a bunch of dragons. I have actually done that in real life whenever I was like seven. Did your it was fucking horrifying. brain scream? A little bit. Are you, do, do Are you, you like, okay? do you like not want to talk about it? Is it like too much? No, it was just like a <laughs> no, it was weird. Fine. It was just it was it was terrifying. But. I mean, that's why that's part of the reason I take spiders out. Um, Fair. Then again, that might not help in that case. Anyway, yeah, because babies. Anyway, uh, back to dragons. Uh, earthquake dragons are cruel hunters that move from settlement to settlement, destroying all of the structures and either eating or driving away the inhabitants just because they can. <laughs> so even. Even for catastrophic dragons, they're real. They're real dickholes. They're real dickholes who do things just because they can. In between their destructive bouts, they spend a lot of time underground, quote, digesting their food. Hmm. They don't have real stomachs. They probably just have a vestigial structure in there. I don't know. Maybe that's like absorbing their essence or something like that. Or maybe it was an oversight. Also a possibility. (laughs) I will say... Um, like, 4th edition, as I've said before, had way too many cooks in the kitchen. <clears throat> yeah. And also kind of resting on their laurels, so to speak. So they're just, like, napping underground thinking about how cool it was that they just destroyed a fucking town. <laughs> We're <laughs> so dope. They're real assholes. Also, uh, can I just say that, that this kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, if the Tarask was an asshole? Because, like, you know... There's this long period of quiescence in between their Oh, attacks, yeah, yeah. And then they just go and destroy a town and rampage for a little while and then go back underground and take a nap. And disappear again. Yeah, so it's sort of like if the Tarask was <clears throat> like, smart enough to be an asshole. Yeah. Um, ironically, though, these guys are still unaligned. Um, they are temperamental, and while they can find allies among Goliath, Genasi, well, Earth Genasi, and other assorted Earth-aligned creatures... Um, once their allies outlive their usefulness, the dragon will turn on them. <laughs> not yeah. surprised. Okay. I yeah. Mean, so back they're, to asshole. Yeah, they're not as good at working with other people as the uh, blizzard dragons are. I'm so surprised. This is one of those cases where I would say 4th um, edition fucked the alignment on these guys because I don't feel like they should be unaligned. <laughs> they're a little evil? No, I feel like they should be chaotic. Like At the very least, chaotic neutral. Yeah. Doesn't chaotic neutral not exist? In 4th edition, correct. That That's my point. <laughs> Which is all other can of worms. Um, they are unrepentantly destructive, but can be persuaded by the offerings of gemstones. Chaotic neutral. Which, like, also same. <laughs> <laughs> same. Again, you know, treasure, whatever, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Don't, don't worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. Um, they are equipped with tremor sense and an aura of tremors around them that hmm. they can use to knock opponents prone. And also, they can fly, but typically burrow underground to get around. Okay. And they do this real asshole thing where, like, they like to target creatures that try to run away from them. Yeah, that is asshole-ish. And they'll, they can feel them where they are because of tremor sense, right? Right. So they follow them. At a distance, not letting them know that they're following them. And then when this person thinks they're in the clear and they pop up like, surprise, motherfucker. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
I fucking... I, I think these guys are pretty evil. Yeah. Whatever. I think they are absolutely evil. I have changed my mind. Not chaotic neutral. Chaotic evil. Yeah, they, they suck. Uh, I mean, they're kind of cool, though. I, I like that it does very much feel... Like, they feel very much like they're natural disaster. Yeah. You know, very random, very chaotic. Yeah. You know? I, I think the vibe the vibe is there. They, yeah. They definitely did really good at getting the vibe of, I mean, catastrophes. I mean, I say that. People from California confirm. Because <laughs> you say that, like, we don't get... Yeah, we do get a lot of earthquakes. Yeah. They're just not major. Yeah. Most of the time. We'll, yeah. we'll get into the dragon that represents our major disaster later. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So next, we have volcanic dragons. Yay. Yay. Um, so, uh, not to be confused with pyroclastic dragons, which look like big volcanoes. Mm. Right. Um, so, upon Io's death, the dragons that would eventually become volcanic dragons believed that his demise was his own fault because he was weak. Ah, right. Um, I also like that we're kind of, with these, we're kind of, you'll see more later, but we're kind of getting into some of them having very different reactions to Io's death. Yeah, yeah. Like, some of them got scared, some of them got angry. Um, These guys believe that Io's demise was kind of his own fault. Um, So this led them to believe that because they were created in his image, they were also weak. Okay. That's Um, the first time I've ever seen that interpretation, but... I'm kind of, I kind of dig it. I, I do too. Um, so they turned the, to the primordial Vesuvu, the Burning Mountain, which is an excellent name. Correct. Vesuvu. Yeah, because it sounds like Vesuvius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they turned to him. Yeah. Don't know why. Him specifically. Get this. Uh, he told them that if they submerged themselves into the lava of the elemental chaos, they would be transformed. <laughs> I mean... Not sure that I would immediately... Go do that. Go do that, but... Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, they did. So uh, many dragons died in doing so. Mm-hmm. But, Shocker. Yeah, but those who didn't emerged as volcanic dragons. Okay. So, like, it worked, but if someone told me to go throw myself into a volcano, I might be like, mm, mm. maybe I should just, like, lift some weights. I don't know. How about you, like, prove to me first that, that that'll work? gonna work? Right. <clears throat> um, eventually, though, they became dissatisfied with their power, and believed that they had been deceived. Uh, so what followed was an like a history of them allying with and betraying Vesuvu and some gods mm-hmm. to the point where now neither primordials or gods accept volcanic dragons as anything but very temporary allies not to be trusted. Jesus. <laughs> See what happens. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, this is why volcanic dragons can't have nice things. This is why you don't go and burn all of your bridges at the same time. Hey. Yeah. Thank you. I'm two for two. <laughs> I don't know. You're not You're not one on that first one there. Mm. Um, so volcanic dragons are fun. Um, they pretend to have more pretense to their violence than other catastrophic dragons do. They pretend like they want to be rulers and conquer stuff, but... They more or less just use their goals as a means to further their destruction. So they're kind of lying to themselves and other people. Oh, good. That's my favorite. Um, this is a direct quote. Uh, the volcanic dragon's true credo is, All things burn, and nothing burns more sweetly than flesh. Ooh. Damn. Yeah. That's <laughs> metal as fuck, right? That is pretty goddamn metal. It's fucking beautiful. I know. Um, so volcanic dragons are mistrusting 
but often ally themselves either with other fire elemental creatures, sometimes other things, often, you know, fire elemental creatures because they get it. They, quote, have a one-track mind and will often ally with anyone who makes a compelling offer and seems like they can back it up. Now, however long they actually maintain this allyship is another story. See, that was going to be my next question is, does it last that long, though? Mm -mm. Mm Because it doesn't seem like it. Um, They have a poisonous aura and can vent fire from their bodies, kind of like pyroclastic dragons. (laughs) Um, And also, they can produce fiery fissures in the earth. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so like that that hell opening up. Yeah. Um, Right? Uh, They attack fast and hard and are unlikely to flee from combat as they feel it shows weakness. Um, Particularly... They have a strong disdain for other dragons and draconic creatures because they see them as a testament to Io's imperfections. How is it that they're just... Are they just like the... Assholes, yes. Epitome of assholes here? Uh, like are they the top of the pyramid of assholes? Well, I feel like what I really enjoy about these dragons is I feel like they are they showcase different kinds of assholes. You know what? You're right, actually. Okay. I'll yeah, I'll I'll give you that one. That's yeah. That's fair. Like, I feel like these could all be like a different like we could all make these into a different archetypical person that you've probably met. Yeah. But yeah. I don't want to throw any shade, so um I I think these guys are fun though. And again, I feel like they really hit the temperamental vibe of a volcano. Mm-hmm. In that they're so like back and forth and anyway. I, I, I don't know. We're we're like talking about these guys being assholes, and I'm like, I like these guys. <sighs> yeah, I'm sure you're not the only one. Yeah, no. I know I'm not, because they made more. Um, yeah, these next two, I think, yeah, two, uh, were introduced in Dragon Magazine issue four two four in that same article that I already talked about. Mm-hmm. So next we have avalanche dragons. Ooh, and these guys are pretty interesting. Uh, so instead of blaming Io's death on Eric Huss, the primordial that actually killed him, um, some dragons blamed death itself, like as a concept. I'm, I mean, well, see, are they technically wrong? The, the, here's the thing: they're not technically wrong, and like you could look at that and be like, "That's stupid." But also the fact that death is so consistently personified in Dungeons and Dragons, it's like. Yeah, okay. I mean, fair. Okay. Yeah. So these despondent dragons fled to the chaos where they were found by Althwam, the flying, the flying, the falling sky. Excuse me. He convinced them that if death itself was destroyed, then their old master would come back from the dead. I don't think that's really how it works. That's no. Not how that works. But I mean, you got to consider these dragons were beside themselves, you know. Like essentially their dad had just died. You know, you're right. So they might have been willing to accept pretty much anything. Um, well, here's the part where it gets weird, though. And where I, a dragon, may have given me pause. Um, he made them drink his blood, which imbued them with mineral strength and vitality. Hmm. <laughs> that might have been the point where I was like, wait. Yeah, that He's one, like, you're kind of hitting that like, I, mm, I don't know about this. Know. He's like, I'll help you. Just drink my blood. <laughs> and be like, mm, I don't know about that. All you got to do is Mm-mm. kill this person. And, and drink my blood. That's definitely. Wait, what was that last part? Hmm? What? What? Hmm? What? No big deal. Um, I'm drinking blood. <laughs> drink my blood. So, um, with these new avalanche dragons, Altuam uh, marched on Nero, that guy, um, that Nero. motherfucker, in his home of Pluton, 
and though they greatly weakened him, Nero won out in the end. With their master and many of their number entrapped, the remaining avalanche dragons fled. Uh, however, even to this day, avalanche dragons maintain a connection to their history that has morphed into a natural hatred for Nero and creatures of undeath and shadow. Fair. So a lot of these uh, types of dragons have a preferred enemy, basically. <laughs> they pick their enemy and they're like, you. Which you. I think is fun, especially yeah. these guys. So despite being catastrophic in nature, avalanche dragons are often content to spend long periods of time in quiescence or simply sitting atop their favorite mountain peaks and watching the landscape or daydreaming. Ooh. Which I think is... It's just, it's a very nice image, in it my is. opinion. It is nice. Um, as this is their favorite activity, they often share their layer space with other dragons. Um, so, like, they have a layer that this dragon primarily uses because the avalanche dragon is just kind of sitting outside watching the landscape. Yeah. They also openly ally themselves with other dragons, not just, like, living together, um, as well as all varieties of creatures that live in the mountains. But... Sometimes in the heat of battle, their natural tempers can ruin these um, alliances. Mm -hmm. Because despite being relatively peaceful a lot of the time, they're still catastrophic dragons. Right. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Um, they often form these alliances... That actually works real good for avalanches. Yeah, I know, right? Um, they often form these alliances in the name of eradicating some undead creature, because they have beef with the undead. Um, in addition to their contempt for all things relating to Nero and the undead... They're good at holding grudges towards those that have wronged them or remind them of times they've been wronged. Same. <laughs> like, you, you didn't wrong me, but you reminded me of a time that I was wronged. No, so literally. I hate you. Like, sometimes if they see some, like, a person, like, that's a member of a species of someone that they have beef with, they'll just automatically not like that person. This legitimately reminds me of Travis's best friend who holds things that you do in your dreams over people's heads. <laughs> oh, God, I remember that story. Yep. Which one? There are several. <laughs> so in battle, they prefer to control the high ground and rain boulders down on their enemies, hence avalanche. Um, right. Yeah. And they prefer to first target the undead or any creature that they've <laughs> created a grudge against. So first undead... Then grudges, then everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. Hey, they have a list of, of a hierarchy of needs. That's just try not to be on their this... shit list. Yeah. yeah. Try not to be on the side of people that they hate or Undead. remind them of people that they hate. <laughs> and you'll be at least you'll the be... last to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, you might have no time to get out. That's fine. Just <clears> run. <throat> So next we have Typhoon Dragon. Nice. <laughs> so after the death of Io, some dragons became enraged and were drawn into the sea, which had, at that point, not come under the control of a particular deity. <laughs> so, because it's the fucking ocean. Every culture has an ocean god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So when Melora began to exert control over the ocean. Some dragons turned, or I say some, the dragons turned to the primordials that opposed Melora. Though they reached out to many, apparently, only the name of Sulcara, the crashing wave, has been recorded. Ooh. The crashing wave. Yeah. So um, the primordials that helped them out 
Solcara being the only one that went on record about it, I don't know what's up with that, um, held these dragons so deep underwater that the pressure destroyed their bodies. Oh! Then hurled their remains into a stormy sky where sparks of lightning and gusts of wind gave them a semblance of life. Jeez, okay. Yeah. Don't fuck with... Don't fuck with Solcara, I guess. Yeah! Like, alright, cool. Yeah. Just gonna crush you with the depths of the ocean here. No Don't mind deal. me. That's fine. Um, so typhoon dragons, which take a draconic shape but appear to be made out of water, uh, are equally at home on land, at sea, or in the sky. They are noted as particularly wantonly destructive. Not surprised. Not surprised. No, not at all. And despite being very intelligent, like all dragons, their emotional mind makes them weak when it comes to tactics. They often form temporary alliances with all varieties of sea and coastal creatures, including many varieties of dragons that live in that kind of environment. Okay. But their lust for destruction always eventually overpowers any benefit they can glean from the relationship. So they always end up screwing it up somehow. Um, Despite their uh, destructive nature, they are also highly curious and deeply fascinated by whatever thing happens to pique their interest. So they're, Same. Yeah, <laughs> mood. So therefore, they often have very eccentric personalities and become collectors of things that they find interesting. Same. Um, some examples given were Sahagan artwork, locks of hair, and bits of sunken ships. So they just, like, kill a sailor and just, like, take his hair. Uh, I like his hair. I'm gonna take it. Yeah. My hair now. My hair now, bitch. Um, they, these are one of the varieties that are not unaligned. They are chaotic evil. Ah. Okay. I was wondering. I, I just. Which I, I feel like doesn't, that doesn't fit them as well. As it would have fit the, another one. Like the earthquake dragons, for example. But whatever. Yeah, like, I still feel like. These guys mostly read as chaotic neutral to me. I don't know. I'm, maybe, uh, maybe towing the line. I'm not sure. I would consider them chaotic evil, but I would consider, like, all of these chaotic evil so far. Yeah, and there are well, all of them. There are some that I definitely would have put ahead of the Typhoon Dragon, for sure. Yeah. I, <laughs> th- there are some that I would, like, that first one, I would say, was probably unaligned. I could definitely see it as unaligned. Mm-hmm. So, in combat, they utilize an aura of wind that makes it hard for enemies to maneuver near them, um, and their emotional nature is very on display in combat. As they perf- they like purposefully attack weaker targets <laughs> because they like seeing them struggle. Oh no! Okay, no, they are pretty evil. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, there's your evil. Or well, more of. They'll turn their attention on targets who hurt them in a dramatic fashion, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is funny. In a very dramatic good. Fashion. In a dramatic fashion. Yeah. So don't do too much damage to them in one turn, or else they're gonna turn on you. Pull your punches. Yeah, not not because they see you as the biggest threat, but because you hurt them the most. <laughs> just for that reason. And they're going to make it dramatic. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. know that. Just know it. <clears throat> so next, uh, we have two varieties of Catastrophic Dragon that were introduced in the next issue, Dragon Magazine 425. Okay. We have Tornado Dragon! Yay! Represent. Represent Oklahoma. Boo. <laughs> Damn it. You're from here too, bitch. I know. Travis, can boo. Travis can boo the tornadoes all he wants. That's fair. Yeah. Boo, bitch. So, tornado dragons were formed from those who, before Io's death, felt an intrinsically stronger connection to the elemental chaos that 
was only held in check by their loyalty to Io. Um, so after he died, they fell in with, this is an interesting one, Yan C. Bin. Literally the letter C in the middle there. Um, who was a primordial prince who manipulated them into hating their own kind. Okay. Which sucks. <laughs> like, that really sucks. Uh, that, that, that is pretty shitty. Like, he, he essentially, like, emotionally abused them into hating their own yeah, kind. Yeah, that... Which really sucks. <sighs> yeah. Feels bad. Feels bad, man. So, uh, he charged the fur, and I guess this literally transformed them into tornado dragons, because there wasn't some other process described. Um, so he charged the first of the tornado dragons with killing the mortal servants of the gods, whatever, and, but they were eventually stopped by Bahamut and his exarchs. And here comes Bahamut, be like, nope. Stop it. You stop. stop. it. So some tornado dragons are, to this day, still loyal to Yansi Bin, who was exiled into the elemental chaos following the Dawn War, while some seek to escape his toxic influence. Toxic was their word choice, not mine. <laughs> so so you know it to be true. Yeah, it's he's a bad guy, I think. Maybe. Maybe. Probably. Probably. So um, regardless of how they feel about their creator, alternado dragons have contempt for the world. <laughs> Which is what happens when you, when you get gaslit for a few thousand years. Uh, yeah, and... Like, I guess, like, not even Stockholm. What is it where your captor doesn't convince you to love them, but, like, convinces... Whatever that is. ...you to hate everyone else. Whatever that is. Reverse Stockholm? No. I don't know. I don't know. There's probably a word for it, but... Yeah. So they settle in a variety... Shitty. Shitty. <laughs> Shitty. That's that, what it is. That one, yes. So they settle in a variety of environments, from ruined cities to mountaintops to open plains... Notably, only avoiding closed spaces. Okay. Um, they're particularly fond for like of like the southern middle region of the United States of America. <laughs> How can I say that we're from Oklahoma and we get a lot of tornadoes again? Tornado I, Alley. Tornado Alley. They're particularly fond of that. So, despite not needing to eat, they are driven by a need to hunt, and I guess also probably consume life and. And what have you? Because they still have that instinct to kill, consume. to like eat, oh. <laughs> consume. That's really easy to do right now with the. Yeah, yeah. it also sounds <clears throat> really good with the with the illness. Yeah. Um. So they tear across open plains and savannas, decimating any prey that gets caught up in the storm, including humanoids, which they view as no more than livestock. Yeah, they're not the only ones. Yeah. You, you aren't special. You ain't special. Yeah. Get off your goddamn high horse. <laughs> so, uh, despite the fury brimming within them, they have no desire to stick out a fight with a foe too strong for them, but they are fickle and can sometimes grow bored even of their own destruction. So these guys just, like... <laughs> they're me. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like they're just... Something always sucks for them. <laughs> like they're they're just like tearing up this they're tearing up this farmhouse on this plane and they're and like the, man this sucks. <laughs> their dragon buddies are cheering them on back there and he's like I, I'm not I'm just not feeling it today guys. <laughs> and they're like man this sucks. It's like Eeyore, but oh no, but angrier and but angrier, yeah. But yeah, they're just always miserable. <laughs> they are also evil in alignment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These guys like I just okay. They they suck. 
Because they probably think everything sucks. Everything sucks. But and everything. because the wind vortex sucks things up. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> oh. Hmm. Oh, also, not reverse Stockholm Syndrome. Because mm. that is apparently called Lima Syndrome. Oh. Oh, and no, I knew about that. That's where the abductors develop sympathy for their hostages. Yeah, that's oh, like that's Canadian good. Beast. That's what happens when you develop empathy. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew, I knew about that one, but... I was just like, is this a thing? It is. That is actually the only the only real thing, that, uh, the, only, the one that was actually in Beauty and the Beast instead of what everyone thinks <laughs> yeah. it was. But, um... Don't don't add us. Sorry. <laughs> don't add us for our Disney opinions. Um, so finally, we're going to come to the last of these, which is wildfire dragon. Ooh, wildfire! Don't don't point out the ways that they sound similar to blaze worms. Mm-hmm. So when Io was slain, a number of red and gold dragons rushed to take revenge on Ericus. Yeah, sure. So, concerned about these dragons, Eric Huss made a pact with Imix, the Fire Lord. <laughs> okay. It's over, Fire Lord. Okay. Here is over. Okay. Okay, let's get it out. There we go. So, uh, Imix wanted control over these dragons, because he's just like, whatever, I want some pet dragons. Right. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Were they wearing pants? Oh, Travis, we, we, we had can't to get, do this. We had I'm to sorry. get it out. I'm done. That's it. Are you sure? Yes. So, uh, Eric has fled into Imix's realm, the dragons following close behind, and when they entered it, the way was shut behind them. Ooh, it's a trap. And it was a trap. <laughs> Everything changed when the Fire Lord attacked. Oh, my God. It's not the Fire Lord. It's the Fire Nation. I'm sorry. I'm a fake fan. So Eric Huss escaped, obviously, because this was the setup, but right. the dragons were trapped and eventually burned to little more than cinders. Ooh. However, from this rose the wildfire dragons, which Imix realized he could not control because <laughs> they were so pissed off. And he was just like, okay. And so he opened the, the gates to his world and just let them loose. <laughs> Because he realized he couldn't <laughs> control them. So he's like, So I can't bye. control Actually, you. fuck this. So he's like, bye. Instead, I'm going to just let you go and destroy my land. Not, not no, his. No, like out, out oh, of his. Yeah. Oh, out of his land. I thought you said in his land. I was like, that doesn't make sense, but okay. Yeah, no. So that he's just like, sense. get out of here. It's like, nope, sorry. Never mind. Go, shoot. <laughs> go, shoot. I don't want you here. I made a mistake. <laughs> You're ruining the vibes. <laughs> fuck. Precious vibes. Precious vibes. They failed his vibe check. So, um, <laughs> wow, here's how Lewin is hit with the kids. Um, so wildfire dragons, this is really cool, I think. Um, their yearning for revenge was eventually shaped into an obsession with the cycle of life and purification by flame. Okay. So I feel like their their whole steez is very interesting to me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like there's something... That I, well, I feel like there's something that I remember reading a while back, like real world, that was sort of similar in the sense of like purification by flame, but I really can't recall uh, what it was. Uh, now. The nitrogen cycle, probably. Probably. Maybe. Well, but it's like it's about the whole thing about like um like slash and burn like farming and well, you know, yeah stuff growing back after wildfires. And that I might know. be what I'm thinking too is just that mm-hmm. people use that to regrow life basically. I, I know that in the there, <clears throat> there was a lot of talk of wildfires as life-giving in recent history with the Australian wildfires. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a very um it's a very it's a very appealing 
form of of cleansing, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah. The whole destruction and rebirth thing, at least to me. No, I, I, I think, I mean, fuck, <clears throat> if it didn't appeal to a lot of people, then... People wouldn't, it wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. So many wildfire dragons hold on to the nobler traits of gold dragons, um, seeing their, f- well, okay, noble and also a little bit of self-aggrandizing, <laughs> uh, seeing their flame as a part of the cycle of life and death and rebirth. Okay. Others simply want to watch the world burn. Red dragons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the implication. Just want to watch the world burn. Yep. So they do not keep a lair for very long, instead moving on to set more places ablaze. Uh, well. Yeah. You know. What yeah, can you, do? You, you can believe it. Um, they uh, they spend their quiescence in a pile of ashes, Ooh. where they become attuned to like the entirety of the area that they have destroyed, waiting for the cycle of birth and destruction to begin anew. And it's described that sometimes they spend entire human generations this way, just yeah. just chilling in the ashes, waiting yeah, just for... napping in a pile of ash, just waiting for Mood. stuff to start growing again, <laughs> so they can burn it down again is that your mood no okay i mean it's a pretty big mood either way wow hi kids (laughs) i'm 23 years old um so wildfire dragons are powerful combatants who specialize in fire attacks and can use their aura to limit enemy actions by way of like exhaustion right because it's hot they can give people heat strokes (laughs) yeah heat stroke and heat exhaustion yeah. Very good to stop people. Yes. It, it'll do it. So they attack usually indiscriminately from the air, but if encountered by a creature of this origin or allied with the primordials, they will turn their attention to that creature. They mm. really fucking hate the primordials. Yeah. So even though I, I really enjoy with these guys that, for one, they all kind of went to a different primordial. Yeah. And also, they have a variety of reactions to them. Yeah. So some of them, like the blizzard dragons, want to free the primordials. And these guys hate the primordials. And some of the tornado dragons hate the primordials. So, like, the the reaction to them is very different. So even though they were previously allied with the primordials, some of them don't even like them now. And I think that's cool. Yeah. I agree. It's not just clean cut, you know. All blah, 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 hate, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and just all chromatic are with Tiamat, all metallic are with Bahamut, and all catastrophic are with the primordials. I think that's cool. Some like them, some hate them. It's like, some, eh. it's not really, they don't really care that much. They're just like, yeah, eh, we'll deal with you later, I guess. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm just going to be over here just like chilling, dropping hurricanes on people. <laughs> This is how I have fun and really stress. <laughs> this is how I have fun by drowning boats in in typhoons <laughs> and then scalping sailors and stealing oh, their artwork. <laughs> okay. I thought those examples were really good. The, they are. They are for the typhoon dragons. But anyway, that's catastrophic dragons. Yeah, and that's the end of my catastrophic. <clears throat> yeah, and that's yeah. the end of my mostly in fourth edition dragons trifecta episode i'm gonna do something else now probably (laughs) maybe probably maybe unless you unless you find something else that you want to do in the realm of dragons oh like gem dragons or even just baseline dragons we haven't done that yet yeah sometimes i think about that just base dragon i i've kind of wanted to do it but also i i don't know you're you're really passionate about dragons it's always interesting i really am dragons are your thing i'm i'm telling you like, 
We we should do one all together. Where okay. We can each talk about a different color. <laughs> I'm anyway, down. That's not going to be our next episode, I don't think. But probably not. We're 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 going to do that one day. I think it would be fun. One day we'll talk about regular dragons, and not just dragons that are also volcanoes <laughs> or whatever. But I like the dragons that are also volcanoes or whatever. Thank you. I I hope um I hope Ari Foxkit also does because this was. Okay, well, they didn't specifically say do catastrophic dragons and planar dragons, but I mentioned the other dragons in 4th edition and then, you know, was was told, hey, you should do those. And then I spent three episodes on them. So thank you, Ari, for your suggestion. It, it got Luan to not have to worry about what she was going to do episodes on for like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was great. True. So, also, thank you to everybody for listening. Yeah. This far, even though I sound like this. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, don't forget to follow us on our various social media platforms. Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, we're all at Dungeonpedia. Yeah. yeah. And also uh, email us any suggestions or, let's be real, tweet us like Ari Foxkit did. But if you have any uh, long form anything, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. And if you guys would continue to spread the word to anyone you know, we would really appreciate it. That would be awesome. But other than that, thank you all once again for listening and sticking through us uh, on this a bit longer episode. We'll uh, catch you here next week on Dungeonpedia. What if Sandstorm Dragon? I mean, that's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> Oh.